A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. At Sheffield. It's my only regret me time at Sheffield, the way I left. And it was like a scene from Zula. There was just players everywhere. He must have had... 60 players in the squad. Big pass. Yeah, four days. I remember. <laughs> four days. It was. So I ran, launched myself onto this table at Mottramore. Balls everywhere. These two blokes, horrified, disgusted, anything but laughing. Things going on, explosions, fighting, shouting, burst pane of glass. Went. Just remember Fergie just doing this. I still smashed the windows on the coach. Was it, was it your decision or did you have an agent at that time? I think I had an agent on all the. They want you to move, John, didn't they? They always want you to move. They don't I mean, make no money with No, no. I, mean, I look back now and, God, I can't remember the amount, the amount that, that I had, but it would have been an agent every move I ever had. And I know it's hard to put a, an experienced head on, on young shoulders, but I'd never, I'd never have one again there. You wouldn't? No. Was it the case of nipping in your ear, they're in for you, they're in for you, yeah. they're in for you? So they I, un, it unsettles you. I can get you this, and so and so's interested, and he likes you, and then. Yeah. There's a there's a, a box full of free gear, free boots and stuff. It's just it, the massage your ego down. They tell you how good you are, and that he fancies you, and he, he, he can get you there. So that's naive, really. You buy it, don't you? you? You buy into it. Do you reckon agents sometimes lie to you? Okay, no. <laughs> You'd be better off saying that they sometimes tell you the truth rather than that they lie to you. It's not all because now as a fan, one comment you have just said, an agent's not going to get any money if you stay there. No, no. And he said, I can get you here, I can get you there. So, if you, John was a goal scorer. If John went a season and scored three goals, no agent in the world's going to get him a move to fucking Liverpool or Man U either. You only get yourself the moves. But that, that and, and John's always says, they'll just drop these little bits in now and they're, oh, so and so's in, I've spoke to so and so, he's really fine. So, yeah, they, they massage your ego, they tell you how good you are, and, and they want you to go because ultimately that, that gets them there a few quid, doesn't it? Constantly planting the seed with you. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? All little, the time. Like you said, little snippets. Oh, you could get so, you could get a, a good contract there. Yeah. So and so, he really likes you, by the way. Yeah. And all you need to say is, well, well yeah. what could I get? And then and all of a sudden they're on the phone. Yeah. And half the time there's nothing in it. They just want to gauge your they reaction. They plant that seed and then it snowballs now and then all of a yeah. sudden oh, he yeah, wants to away. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Paul would come. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. Would wow. you fancy him? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Hit the ground running, really, didn't you? Back at Birmingham, your launch. Yeah, we, we went back and um, we went on a really good run. I think 12 unbeaten. And we ended up sneaking in sixth place, uh, getting into the playoffs. So that, that was fantastic. And I think the Blues had got in the playoffs under Trevor. 
I think he was either three or four years out of his six years there and couldn't quite get over the line. I think Watford beat them one year, Preston beat them on penalties, Bolton beat them. So we got in and we, we played Millwall, ended up beating Millwall and getting to the final against Norwich. I think I remember this. Did it kick off at the Den? Mate, it was unbelievable. We, my, my abiding memory of that is we stood on the pitch at the Den it's about half one in the morning. Theo Pafitis was the chairman. The football fans of Milton. And it was like a fucking war zone. The so Birmingham fans the chairman come down and give some beers while that's all kicking off outside involved. like... Yeah, yeah. Like Theo Pafitis <laughs> come down and he's got a couple of crates of beer and a couple of the bar staff, they've got a couple of crates of beer. So we're on there basically just looking at this helicopter going round, listening to... Things going on, explosions, fighting, shouting, yeah, on the pitch, and uh, and we didn't get off there till probably half one, two o'clock, and I don't know if you've ever been down to Millwall to, to get, it's a bit of a rat run in it to, yeah. to to get onto the main road, and they still smash the windows on the coach even even at that time. So without doubt, the worst violence that I've seen at a game really. So they still did the windows at the coach. Yeah, gone one, two o'clock in the morning. Yeah, I mean, luckily enough, it's the big double glazed one, so it never actually came through onto the lads, but the first pane of glass went... I mean, it makes you jump when you sat there and one, one of them goes, let me tell Could you. Could you celebrate while you're at the pitch and you all this? Yeah, I mean, listen, we didn't know to the extent of what was going on. We, at the end of the day, no disrespect to Millwall, we're just down there thinking it's, it's Millwall doing what fucking Millwall are known to do. We didn't realise that fucking 10 police horses had died and there was that much trouble down there. Um, but yeah, I mean, listen, we just got to the playoff final and we got free beer. It's a, it's a great combination. Playoff final? Yep. Oh, a colourful affair, wasn't it? Brilliant, yeah, yeah. Um, Millennium Stadium, 75,000 people. Yellow and green, one end, blue and white, the other end. Roof shut. So, yeah, probably the game that stands out most in, in my career. Get to penalties. Up comes your turn. Is it yeah. something you practice in the week? Yeah, we, we, we'd practice religiously every day, even to the extent of the walk from the centre circle to the penalty spot. But really, I don't know, I don't know what the point was. I mean, John will tell you, you took it, the pressure of doing it in a live situation in a game. You could go and practice it a hundred times in the week in training and score a hundred goals. Completely different when push comes to shove. But we did practice them. But it, it's a it, pointless task, is it? Yeah, yeah it's it's I, I think the moment so. and everything, all the pressure. Yeah, you know, for weeks leading up to it, you're hearing about the value of the game. It's the richest club game in the world, and it's worth hundred million to the club that goes up. And Blues haven't been in the top flight for sixteen years, and this and that. So. I think the pressure of it, 75,000 people, the roof was shut as well, which seemed to yeah, make the atmosphere... I bet it would have been louder than yeah, any yeah. atmosphere so, you're going to get. So, yeah, it's, uh, it, it's nerve-wracking, to say the least. Did you but have your corner picked? I just always used to blast it. I used to, always used to tend to blast it to my left, the, the keeper's right. And I, and I think the worst thing you can do is sort of second-guess yourself and think, well, maybe I'll change it. So... I always... The big thing for me was always getting a good connection with the ball. I thought if I, I always... Tr- tried to lace it if I could uh, so it was all about getting the good connection the, the worrying thing for me taking that penalty was I was getting cramp in my legs so I always used to have in my car so I always used to have quite a long run up to take a penalty and one of my pet hates at the moment is seeing these stupid run ups where they hop skip and a jump and or they change this and do that and miss it so I had to shorten my run up by quite a, a few yards because I knew my calves would have cramped up before I struck the ball so that was a worry, and then just the pressure of thinking, fucking, don't miss, don't miss. 
But you, you've added pressure. You're a blue. Yeah. It's your hometown team. Top man. Yeah. Main man going up to take the penalty. You just do not want to miss. Well, that well that was all. That was all that was running through my mind. Was don't miss. Don't don't be the one to miss. If I miss this, people are always going to remember my career, regardless of what I do, what I've done. That you were the one that missed yeah. the pen. You were the the Blues fan that missed for Birmingham in the playoff final, and we haven't been up for six days. So. Couldn't be thinking more negative things, really, going up to take a penalty. Worst scenarios? Yeah, worst case scenarios. It, it was just the worst case scenario that I go up, I miss the penalty, and we don't go up. And then, like, hey, I'm thinking, how, how do I recover from this? To this day, it would have been, Paul, what about that penalty? Yeah, yeah. And, and to this day, I still get people ask me about that shootout. And, and you rightly say, if it had gone the other way, I'd have still got it now to this yeah. day. So, yeah, nerve-wracking. It went in anyway, didn't it? It did, it went in, yeah. I watched it last night. Very muted celebration. I was, I, I honestly, it was really, it sounds a bit soppy now, but it was really emotional and I could have quite easily fucking shed a tear. I, I just remember doing that and thinking, thank fuck, that's over. I've done my bit now. On to the rest of the lads, you, you've got to do your So bit. was it more like relief? Yeah, yeah, that's exactly because what it was. Because of all the negative you were having. Yeah. You know, it, I can't believe you're false going in. It, it is relief because situation. you can't really celebrate at the time because we hadn't won it. You celebrate after when, we, when we've won, you know, we've gone through. But at the time, it's just relief that you've done your part. You've got to rely on your teammates now doing their part. Wasn't it ironic as well? Because the first time around, Barry Fry liked the fact that you could take a yeah, penalty yeah. and there you are a few years later stepping yeah. up in the playoff final and putting your penalty in yeah, the back it, of the net. Yeah, it was, you know, like I said earlier, it was one of the big things that, that Baz spoke to me about was taking penalties for Birmingham City and probably one of the most important moments in, of my career came, came down to taking a penalty yeah. for Birmingham City. Did he text you? After it went no, in? no, I think he was actually there, Baz. I think he was actually there. I, I, I don't remember seeing him on the night out, but he could have been there on the night out. Sean Connery could have been there on the night and, and I wouldn't remember. So I dare say he was there, Baz. Celebration, big parties. Yeah, four days. I remember... <laughs> four days. It was four days. I remember back to the Vale of Glamorgan where we stayed and David Sullivan, David Gold, Karen Brady, Brucey with Big Sam was there, his, his buddy. So we had a skinful there. Then we'd, we'd, we'd done like the open top bus. My lad had only just been born that week. So I've got a real nice picture of him in the playoff final cup. And my missus ended up getting dragged on the open top bus parade. Bruce's got her on. So we'd done that. We had the civic reception, meeting the mayor, and we're all paralytic drunk. And then back at St Andrews, up, up to Mottramall. So yeah, it was a, it was a real, real good four days. I've heard a rumour at Mottramall, you and Jeff Horsfield like a game of snooker. Well, it wasn't much of a game, yeah. Um, me and Horse didn't play golf at the time. So the lads have gone out and played much more. We've gone out for a beer. So we've ended up back in the snooker place at Matramore. So obviously, like most snooker places, it's quite dark and, you know, not dingy, but, you, you know. Dim. Yeah, dim. So I ordered a couple of beers and there's two blokes playing snooker, suited and booted, obviously businessmen. So I'm going to Jeff, like, oh, I'm going to run. I'm going to dive on the table. Obviously drunk, thinking it's a great... Or they'll find it really funny. Everyone will be laughing. <coughs> Excuse me. And knock all the balls out the way. So, or say, you won't do that, you won't do that. Ended up doing it, haven't I? So I ran, launched myself onto this table at Matramore. Balls everywhere. These two blokes, horrified, disgusted, anything but laughing. So I'm like giggling and I've, look, I've sort of rolled over, looked in just in a little alcove there. Steve Bruce having a coffee with Alex Ferguson. <laughs> So I just remember Brucey 
fucking giving me the daggers. And I just remember Fergie just doing this, as if to say, fuck you now. What, what have you got? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's one of your players. Yeah. And yeah. I'm convinced to this day, Horse knew. knew they were That's there. Far. Far. <laughs> yeah, I'm convinced to this day he knew they were there. He's egged you. Yeah, yeah, he's had, he's had me in it. Not the first time he's done it down the years, no. let me tell you. <laughs> so, Sir Alex's first impression of you, obviously, yeah. sliding along that snooker table. Well, John, I, I really think that's what scuppered me move to Manu. <laughs> if I hadn't done that, I could have seen, I could have seen the Manu move coming a bit, you know, at some stage. Could have been sitting there talking about you, and then you go. But it, it was, it was horrible because, like. Brucey said something to me without saying anything, and it was just a look of horror, and it was just a look of disgust and Fergie. Did Fergie you get up and just like sheepishly? Yeah, well, I'm giggling. So, as, I, as you can imagine, sort of threw myself like that onto the table. So I've knocked all the balls. So I'm like giggling, like, and then I've sort of gradually sort of rolled round. So as I'm lying on my back, then laughing. I've looked like that, and they're sitting there, and I've seen there looking. I've just gone. So I've like climbed up off the table. Oh, she's. He's fucking doubled over at the bar, and I saw with us a lot. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You think like the best manager ever? Now the only thing he ever knows about me is how idiotic I've been in Montreal. But exit right. Yeah, yeah. Straight out. Come on, I think we better go. We've outstayed our welcome there. So, Death stare off, Brucey and and Sir yeah, Alex. Yeah, yeah. So their head. Uh, a bit embarrassing to say the least. Well, let me ask you about Brucey because obviously, going back to the first time at Birmingham, a teammate. Like the social side, yeah. you enjoyed a pint with them and everything else. Further down the line, how much did he change? Yeah, he did change when he because he came into Sheffield as player manager, and um, I, you know, obviously there was rumours of him coming in, and the lads were asking me what he's like, and I thought he was top top bloke, Bruce. But he actually came into Sheffield, and he tried to roll with a with an iron fist straight away, and he, he, that wasn't Bruce. He like, don't get me wrong. You know, if, if he wanted something doing, he'd let you know. But he wasn't that type of, Fuck, you must do this and do that. And it sort of rubbed a few of the, the more experienced lads up the wrong road. I mean, we had lads that had been around the block a bit, Graham Stewart, Dean Saunders, people like that. So it caused a, li a, a little bit of friction. Um, Bruce only stayed there a year. He ended up getting the Huddersfield job. But when I went back, obviously, and played for him again at Blues, he'd sort of gone back to his to his old self. Don't you know, he, so he was learned. Yeah, I think so. And, and, and I think that's to his credit because... He adapted and he learnt and he, he probably realised, well, I can't really manage like that and I need to sort of adapt myself. Again, Bruce, he always had good coaches with him. Uh, I know in particular at Birmingham, he, he took Mark Bowie who was a fantastic coach and, and Steve sort of did a bit similar to Warnock, really, the, the man management side of it. But I, what always sticks out in my mind is his, his first pre-season at Sheffield was the easiest pre-season I'd, I'd ever done. And I remember speaking to him as a player because he hated running Bruce. And made mind, he was 37 when he came to the Blues. Now, when I get a manager's job, I, there's no need to run the bollocks off every... You don't need to do this. You get enough running when you're playing foot. And fucking hell, that's exactly what you want to hear, John, isn't it? So pre-season at Sheffield, easy peasy. When I played for him five or six years later, fucking hell, it was one of the hardest pre-seasons yeah. I'd ever done. So he sort of flipped his flipped his thinking on that. But, but he had quite a few clubs, didn't he? I think he went to... Sheffield, he went to Huddersfield, like Palace. So He's cutting it, his cloth then, isn't he? Yeah, so I think, he, you know, he, he picked up things as he went along, but he was loved down the Blues because he had a couple of years down there as a player and I absolutely loved him. And, and he came in after the period where Trevor just couldn't quite get them over the line in the playoffs. I think four out of six years they got to the playoffs under Trevor, couldn't get over the line. Bruce has come in and, and done it in his first season. See, going back to that point there, what you said... It, do you think he had changed his ways at Sheffield United 
possibly playing the game a little bit to get these senior players off the books? Yeah, I think there was part of that. And I think there was all, all also a part of, right, I'm the gaffer, I'm the main man. So to stamp your... Th- but I think there's a way to do that. But do you think that was the case because there were senior players, he had to stamp his authority? Yeah, I think so. I mean, obviously, you, you, you know, you've got a player like Dean Saunders who's had a stellar career and, you know, been there, seen there, done it. Um, I would imagine it's quite difficult to manage a player who's been at that level, but and then you've got the Man U and the Liverpool sort of thing and he would have played against each other yeah. down the years. So I don't know whether it's a case of, right, I'm the gaffer now, I'm going to, I'm going to show you his boss sort of thing. And that wasn't like Bruce. He, he wasn't... Like I say, he was a tough bloke and he was a hard man, but he wasn't that tight where he... Wasn't sort, a dictator. No, he wasn't a dictator. Yeah. He wasn't a bully. He was just a real good, solid... So the type of bloke you'd like to have a game of golf and have a point with. And he might have been told, listen, they would have been on big dog. We need these off the wage book. Yeah. So do you want to make it, again, like what we spoke about earlier on, make it a little bit uncomfortable, a little bit difficult, get them off the wage book? Adino didn't struggle. I think he ended up getting a move to fucking Benfica. There you go. Yeah. Soonest took him to about six different clubs. Yeah, I think he did. Galatasaray as well. Yeah, yeah. So, pre-season, Robbie Savage comes in, Kenny Cunningham, Clinton Morrison, Matthew Upson. Some good players here. I think that was one of the things that Bruce had done well. His first sort of major transfer window, every signing that he made did really well. The two most important ones for me that he brought in was Cunningham and Upson, because they come in as a centre-half pairing and they'd they done fantastic. Um, he bought in Clinton. Now, he actually got a bit of criticism for Clinton because the Mike White in that deal was Andy Johnson. He and, and Andy Johnson went on Everton, England, had a fantastic career. But I have to defend him a little bit on this one because Andy Johnson wasn't getting in the Blues team at that time and he, he wasn't close to getting in the Blues. Everyone could see that he had blistering pace he was going to do but... He had to go somewhere else to establish himself. Yeah. At the time, Clinton was the hottest property in the championship, good goal scorer. So I saw, I saw his logic on that. Now, Clinton came in, did okay, didn't tear up any trees, uh, whereas Cunningham and Upson, they were solid. Like, Kenny was a strange one. You looked at Kenny as a centre-half, maybe just six foot, quite slightly built, not aggressive, not strong, um, not the quickest, but... Just read the game, unbelievable. He's one of them. You just, how can I not get past this bloke? And then you have Matthew, who was six foot two, great in the air, athlete, quick, and they just formed a real good partnership. Did Moamba come on lawn as well? He did at one point. I wasn't there then. Yeah, he, he did come down for a bit, and then obviously he bought he bought Savin. And and to be fair, I mean, whatever people think about Savin, I know he's a bit marmite, marmite. He was my uh, he was my room partner for eighteen months, and he, he was for two seasons our best player boy. A country mall, a lot, a lot better footballer than people give him credit for. Yeah. Stayed up comfortably, didn't you? Yeah, we. Still, I think we finished thirteenth, and we ended up fucking bashing the Villa twice, which was which was great. Well, that's what I want to come to. That's got to be the highlight, hasn't it? Yeah, pr- probably, probably sort of league games. The one that sticks out in my mind the most. We played, um, we played Villa on. A, I think it was a Monday night. Uh, it was the Enkelman one. Remember when Enkelman? The throwing. Yeah, the throwing. And uh, it was the only time it felt like the whole... Bear in mind, we'd been out of the top flight for 16 years, so we hadn't played them for that amount of time. It was like the whole ground was bouncing, was vibrating. Did you feel it on the pitch? Yeah, yeah. And I, and I remember I did it, myself and Michael Johnson, we did a lot of press lead, because you can imagine the press leading up to that game. First derby game in 16 years, blah, blah, blah. And um, I did a lot with Michael Johnson, and, and it was like Olaf Malberg and Ian Taylor. And I always remember, Olaf Malberg was 
really dismissive of Blue. Don't know who he is. Don't never heard of him. Blah blah blah. This and that. And he was quite disparaging, really, of the Blues. Tales is a great lad. Tales is a brummer, good, good lad, Villa legend. No, knows the crack. And we had it all pinned up in the changing room. All these bits, these articles, and done because they, they wrote us off, really. Because they had they had a, 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 a lot last and. Um, the centre half last, I forget his first name now, Malberg, people like that. So they had a team with. Decent side. Yeah, decent side, pe- peppered with internationals. We had a team that could fucking kick a bit, like Michelle Horsfield, Martin Grange, Upson, pe- people like that. Um, Shane Upson, I don't know whether he played in that game. But I remember the thing that sticks out in my mind about that game, the tunnel at St Andrews, just before you, just before you go out onto the pitch, we were shouting and bawling and banging the tunnel and. And we, like, I looked across at some of them, and they was head down. And I knew, and, I, and I've said it a million times, and me and Jeff Horsfield talk about it. We beat them in the tunnel that night. You had a goal up straight away. Yeah, we beat them in the tunnel. When you say showing them, what, what do you mean, like let's, giving it them? Fuck it, let's go into yeah. these cunts. Fucking. Do you mean just? Yeah, just just gen, generally being. You're doing aggr- nothing wrong. You're just going to no, work sort of for this derby. Yeah, what's not? But it's sixteen being, years. Generally being aggressive, right? And just trying to intimidate them. Uh, and you're thinking you're going to look back and you're going to see them fighting a bit over, but it was like edge down like that. And, and like John says, that was like giving us a goal head start straight away. And obviously you couldn't legislate for what happened with Enkelman. No. Um, but I think we ended up winning that game 3-0. Then again, we go to Villa Park. They had a couple of sendings off. Did Sav get sent off on? No. Was that D- when he went down with Dion? Dion ended up not in Sav, right? To this day, I get asked, oh, Sav must have said something terrible. I said, I ain't got a clue what he said to him. Because Dublin wasn't like that, was it? But um, that was Sav. Sav could, Sav could do that to anyone. So, yeah, it, it, it was a brilliant... And we ended up stopping up comfortable 13th. Mm-hmm. But I, I also have a little bit of an issue sometimes with people on about Dugary come that season, Christoph. That was great. Oh, Christoph kept us up. We'd have stopped up comfortable. With, uh, Christoph was like the cherry on the cake. But we'd have stopped up with or without Christoph that season. When I come to him, he, I remember him coming at ball and it is him. He could play, couldn't he? Oh, mate. He well, it, won the Euros, won the World Cup, yeah. played for Barca, but you know Monk if you, if you play at that level. No. But it was amazing because all of a sudden, there was no inkling he was coming. You turned into training for one day. Look, you know, you got Christoph, Christoph that's six foot two, long hair, the head, and he was a proper nice geezer as well. Royal nice Speak fella. English. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Spoke English when he wanted to. Yeah. But, uh, right, no, okay. But he, he, he was great. He was a real, real good lad. I believe there's... Uh, did he have dodgy knees? Yeah. We only signed him to the end of the season. Uh, he did, from what I heard, he didn't really want to play. But we'd offered him mega dough to come and he'd play. And he, and he was fucking... He, he trained with him and some of the things that he'd done in matches. And he's, he's, I think he scored. He's ended up... He's regarded down the blue. This is the impact he had. He's regarded down the blue. Some of the younger ones will put him on a pedestal, same level as Trevor. Best ever player. And he's talked about in the same breath as Trevor Francis. Played 31 games, scored six goals. There you go. But that's the, that's, that's the regard he's held, the impact that he had down there. And he was unbelievable. Is there a storyline with the fitness man? Yeah. Neil, we, we had this uh, we had this physio Neil McDermott great best physio I ever worked with uh, from Sunderland but he was one of them if he was out injured you'd come back fitter than the lads in the first team because he'd get your fit and he would run the bollocks off you so Tuesday Brucey always let, used to let us have a Wednesday off but he'd run you on a Tuesday or work you in the gym which you'd take every you'd expect, clock yeah. so Tuesday we're doing this gym session so you've got the rower weights the running machine the bike everything so we're all in there and fucking going alpha leather. No, Christoph. 
So Bruce is was what he was a big stickler for was timekeeping. If he was late, it was like fucking murder. Hated it. So anyway, we're about 15, 20 minutes into the session. Everyone's going hell for leather. King Christoph walks around the door with a cup of coffee. Look, pokes his head in like that, sick in the ship of his coffee. So um, Neil McDermott, the physio, like, shouts to Christoph, after he's done on there, you jump on there. And he just went, I think it was a rowing machine. And he just like, looked to him and went, uh, footballer, not rower. Like, went back into the canteen. So, so we're all like, it, we're all thinking, fucking hell, Bruce is going to lose his mind there. So like, we're all like, sort of looking, what's Bruce going to say? And he went, um, when you cunts win the World Cup, you can do that as well. Carry on. <laughs> Just carry on. That was, I mean, he done that a couple, I remember we played in a... Um, in Malaysia. I'm Malaysia, sure. yeah. So again, we've got back to... We, got, we ended up getting to the hotel in Malaysia about half three in the morning. So everyone's knackered. Time difference and all that. You don't know whether you're coming or going. So Bruce is laying the law down, right? So... To me, an horse, really. Don't get going out here, don't do this, and you can't have a beer on that day. Can I? Again, where's, where's Christoph? So we're all there, like, club tracksuits and all that, and the, the, there's your room key. So I'll never forget, you hear, like, the bing, the, the, the lift door's open. King Christoph comes bowling out, linen shirt on, ripped jerk, looks like out Miami voice, walking like that. So we're all like that. So Steve's gone, uh, Christoph, where are you going? He said, I'm going out. I just, like, went out. Again, lads, again, when you've won the World Cup, so it's just madness. But I think you had to, you had to manage it. I don't, I don't think it finished well in the end, the relationship, but he come, he come in and it was... Um... If you're doing the business... Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theatres, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. You can get away yeah. with it, sure, right? And, he, and he, he, he was brilliant. I mean, probably ability-wise, he was the, the best player I ever, I ever played with. Um, and he was good He was good to have about the place. And the euphoria of winning the playoff, beating the Villa, then all of a sudden you've got a World Cup winner come. Like the Blues fans, it was, a, you know, it was, it was heaven for them at the time. But you had that, I think, I'm sure, Horse. Was it Stern John as well? Stern, yeah. They were... Two good players. Yes, yeah, Stern was a really good. Stern and Horse was really good. I mean, if you look at Horse's goal scoring career, he wasn't a prolific goal scorer, but he scored lots of important goals at important times. And, and what he what he would do, he would do everything that people didn't want to do. He'd close down. He'd challenge. I mean, I'll tell you a quick story about Charlton. Bruce, he left me and Stan Lazaridis on the bench. Charlton had a decent team at the time. He said, uh, "Right, I'm not going to play. We're going to shoot it up a bit." Blah blah blah. So Orson. Do Gary up front. Now, for an hour, Horse has been like Rambo. He's chased every ball into the corner. He's bashed up the centre-halves. He's won every flick on. He's held it. Christoph hasn't 
You could have put Christoph on this table and he wouldn't have fell off. That's how much he's moved. So then, about 63 minutes in, somebody's fizzed the ball into him. And he's fucking done, brought it down and done some flick, back hurled it. Right, amazing bit of skill. And I'm sat there with Stan Lazaridis. Bruce is drinking a bottle of water. He's turned around and he went, the man's a fucking genius. The man's a genius. <laughs> so I'm up. Bruce is turned around watching. And I'm going, fucking hell, he ain't moved. He ain't moved for an hour. Also. So about the way it panned out was brilliant. About 30 seconds later, somebody's fizzed the ball into horse. Horse has tried to do a flick. He's ended up fucking tripping over the ball and nearly falling over. So Bruce has still got the same bottle of water. He's turned around, he's slammed it on the floor. Who does he think he is, the fucking Barnsley bricklayer? <laughs> and all that was just perception. Horse had been fantastic. But uh, it, it was comical, but yeah, it, it, it was brilliant. And, and they really complimented each other well, Horse and Dugary. And I think we went, we went the last six or seven games not, not losing a game. And he chipped in with a few goals as well. Uh, but yeah, to finish 13th in that first season was, was a big achievement for the club. It's not easy, is it? No, no, you're coming. I mean, I remember we, we played West Ham last game of the season and I think West Ham went down, I mean, I've probably got this wrong, with about 44 points. Oh, you're bang on. Some of, you know, we stayed up. Did you stop up that season? Bolton, yeah, didn't we? Yeah. But, I mean, 44 points now, you're stopping up comfortable. Absolutely. Absolutely. And they had Di Canio, Joe Cole, they had, a, they had a good team, so it was, you know, it was a great thing for us to do. Was it hard to leave? Funnily enough, it wasn't the second time because of the way it was handled. Brucey came to me. Uh, I had I had two or three years left on my contract because I'd signed... I don't know whether I'd signed three or four years when I went back. Um, so I'd, I definitely had at least two years left. And he came come to me. I was 31, 30, 31. He said, Dave, he said, I want you to stay. He said, but you're not going to play every week. Well, that was, that was all... That was the only thing he needed to say to me because I didn't want to look back on my career. And I, I played with lads, and you, you would as well, John, that was happy to sit on the bench and it used to fucking drive me mad and uh, I went no that, that, that's fine I'll, I'll go away and, and, and I left and I went to Watford do you wish every other manager said that when they were ready for like you go just be straight up with you yeah that's all you want John will tell you that's all you want as a player just be honest he says to me you can stay you're more, you're more than you know, more than happy to have you I want you to stay but you're not going to be my first choice because he and I've seen him since after after I finished playing, and, and he re, he regrets breaking that team up a little because he, he got rid of Darren Carter, I went Jeff Horsfield went, and he sort of felt I've got to get the next level players in, so I'll get I'll get your Gronkiars in, your Melchiots in, not your men, are they? No, he built a team on on lads that give on, and I always remember him saying to me uh, when I was finishing off at Warsaw, he came to watch someone who was having the crack, and he was talking about this. He said when I went to bed on a Friday night. He said, I knew what all you lads was going to give me on the Saturday. He said, and his exact words were, these cunts I've got now, I don't know what they're going to give me from one week to the next. So he built a team on being solid, really. But more importantly, you broke up that dressing room as yeah, well. Yeah. And that's really, that's the heartbeat of the football yeah, club. Yeah, yeah. And if you get rid of the wrong players at the wrong time out of that dressing room, it leaves a big void. Yeah, oh, without a doubt. We, we was a team, I think if you speak to anyone from that squad, I mean, no, we're wrong, we weren't crap players, but we were. We was a team that was built on hard work, a real togetherness, a real solid team. I mean, we, we had players like Stan Lazaridis, great winger Stan Lazaridis, Stern and Orse would always nick you a goal, but we never had someone that, I don't know, like you could win you a game out of nothing sort of thing, but we was all, we was a solid unit. We could play, but we could do the physical side of it as well. And it was built on that, the success. And also, if you get rid of the wrong ones at the, the wrong time, let's say, you lose that effect because you know what it's about 
playing against Villa, yeah, you know, yeah. the local derbies, what it means to the supporters, what it means to the, the city itself. Yeah. When you start to lose that, it doesn't mean as much. Yeah, and, and, and I think if you looked, when it sort of went a bit a bit sour towards the end of Bruce's, he'd, the team was full of lads that was premiership players for other clubs who were sort of coming for the... I mean, it's probably been a bit harsh to say the, the last payday, but they never had the affinity with the club that the team... Yeah. That that got them got them you know that got promoted. But I get it. Maybe as a manager, I've never been a manager. I've got no inclination to be a manager. It was almost like he thought, right, these lads have done well, but you're not really Premiership players. I need to get Premiership players in now if I want to go to that next. But what is? Do you reckon he's? I would imagine though as well. They'll have agents pecking him off. Oh, yeah, of course. Course. You're like vice versa, yeah. like agents yeah. for a move. He must have it. Of course you will. Cause I can get you this man, this man. Yeah, because obviously now Blues with the money that would have come from getting to the Premiership, staying in the Premiership, they can move in a different market now with regards wages, with regards transfer fees. So, yeah, you know, I, I get the reason. I just think you're bringing in players that are coming to the end, but you're bringing them in because he's played for him or he's played there. I mean, Darren Carter was an 18-year-old kid. We got rid of Darren Carter to the Albion for three and a half million, something like that, and we bring in the locks of Muzzy. No disrespect to Muzzy, is it? Fantastic player, but he was 30-something. To me, you've got to build a team around Darren Carter, who's 18, 19, 20. Do you know, not, not the other way around. So I always felt that, and, and he, you know, he, he did say to me later on that one of his biggest regrets was that he, listen, the team always needs refreshing, doesn't it? Fergie was a master at it, but I think maybe he'd done it too soon. Too, soon. too, too, too quick, much, too soon. Too much, too soon. Yeah, and getting rid of the similar type of player too soon. Yeah. And yeah. I mean the heartbeat. Yeah, you know, he, he he played, I mean, Bruce, he was hard as nails, as, as, you know, 100 percenter, and he built that into that team that had a lot of success and maybe he sort of went went away from that ethos a little bit with some of the, the lads that he brought in. So you move on? Yeah. Watford? Yeah. Yeah. Happy? Yeah, it was great. It was great. great. I didn't enjoy living down south. I must admit that was that was sort of the biggest opener for me. I was I was very fortunate in majority of my career that I could be based in Birmingham. Uh, Travelled obviously Nottingham, Sheffield. So that was a bit of an eye opener. Um, unusual circumstances in getting transferred down there, but Ray, Ray Lewington was was brilliant, and it's it was a really good club. Again, it was it was a bit of a similar situation to the Sheffield one. I'd gone there just after the Viali days where Viali had thrown fortunes at it to try and get them promoted, just come up short. So it was a case of, right, someone else come in, cut the cloth, reduce the wage bill. So again, going into a club that, not in decline is the wrong way to say it, but we're looking not at... Not having a goal. Yeah, they're not going that way. So you've gone in, I mean, the word is that Elton John. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Elton John's paid for you, basically, yeah. paying your wages. Yeah, that was right. Apparently... Uh, apparently um, he said to Ray Lewington, listen, the club was skint. He said, I'll bankroll one player, transfer fee and wages. And Ray says to me, so yeah, Alton John paid for my three-year contract down at, at Watford. Never met him, never spoke to him, anything. You can imagine the stick I've got down the years in changing rooms you about this what, what a good fan he is then, not getting involved with you and all. he's just done that for the club. Liam, honestly, when we used to play away games, the phone had gone, uh, six o'clock, whatever it is, and he'd be on the phone to Ray Lewington every Saturday asking about the game. And even Ray Lewington's a proper football man. So we said, what's he like to talk to? He went, no, he said, he knows. He said, he's bankrolled you, Dev. He said, he knows where you play, what position, what your strength size. So he's a proper, proper fan. He's not just one of those who's got loads of money and throws it in. And he, and he re- genuinely does care about the club. He, he put a concert on at Vickery Road. 
lot give all the proceeds to the club. So I'm sat there with Just all... Just to pay for your wages. Yeah, well, I wish it was. <laughs> so I'm sat there with all the lads and the wives and all that, and he, he starts talking about me on stage in the doilet. So you can imagine the grief I'm getting off all the lads. But yet it was, um, it was really out the blue and really, really strange. So did you know at the time, once you were talking, negotiating, talking about, did you know he was bankrolling you? Yeah, yeah. Would you ask for a wee bit more? <laughs> <laughs> Terry, Terry Byrne was the commercial manager down there at the time, and he sort of told me about it. And at first you go, yeah, fucking hell, of course he is. But he went, no, he is. He said he bankrolled one player for Ray Lewinson. So, and, and that was it. But like I say, I never met him, never had anything to do with him, but I do know he, he sort of put the dough up for him. No tickets for concerts or anything? But yeah, he got me a ticket for that concert at Vicarage Road. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it, it's always a good, um, good bit of a party piece to, to, to bring that one out. I mean, listen, I'm not particularly an Elton John fan, if I'm being brutally honest, but I did go and see him in concert and he was, he was brilliant. And you've got to say, look, he goes down as one of the greats, doesn't he? One of the big hitters in, in, in music. So it's a, yeah, it's a nice thing to say that uh, I was bankrolled by Elton, Uncle Elton. Come back to Birmingham, to Walsall. Yep. Is that in your head what that's like, finish your career? Uh, it was a big, a big mistake, that would be unfair to say. Um, again, Aidy Boothroyd come in, who, who I thought was brilliant. Heidi came in, and I think Heidi's the same age or a bit younger than me. Obviously, he'd gone into management early doors. Had majorly different ideas with older players than other managers had. And I quite liked his ideas. His sort of thinking was, no, you're an older player. You've got to do more, not less, but different. So, sort of Mondays, Tuesdays, I'd be away with a fitness bloke doing different stuff. Never did any running pre-season that wasn't with the ball. And he had a lot of really new ideas. Got rid of all the lads, 30-plus. The only reason I managed to play under AD, I'd had my only ever operation as a pro. I'd had it on my toe, so I was out for a couple of months. So I came in, and I actually had six months under AD. <coughs> Excuse me. Did really well. But again, he said, Dev, got me in the office. He said, I've got the chance of getting Chris Eagles from Man United, who's early 20s, right wing. He said, I can get him to the end of the season. You've got the end of the season or a year left, whatever it was. I think it's best if you move on. Brilliant. No problem. Honest. Again. He said, I'll get you paid up. I'll get you where I can. On you go. Speak to your agent. See where you can. Brilliant. Couldn't ask for any more. Now, I went to see Pete, Winkle, Pete Winkleman, who was MK Dunn's uh, chairman. He took me around. They were only building that fantastic stadium as it was then. So I could have gone there. They offered, Danny Wilson was manager, and he offered me three years. I was 34. He offered me three years down there on decent dough. Gillingham wanted me, but. I was desperate to get back to the Midlands. Right. In hindsight now, I should have saw them, But they were playing at that hockey stadium at the time as well, which was fucking awful. So I came back. I turned down three years at MK Dunn's on Decent Dough. And I come back to Warsaw and I saw them for six months. And I come back and it, you, you drop down. It was a good club with good facilities, Watford. Birmingham's the same. Sheffield was the same. And so so it's, this is not being disrespectful to Warsaw. The facilities weren't the best. The team wasn't the best. We, we was full of lone players and I just wasn't enjoying it. I just didn't enjoy it. And I, I decided I was going to jack in the day before my 34th birthday. And it was, it was funny because one of the coaches at Blues, Kevin Broadhurst, who to this day is a real good pal of mine, he was manager there. So I always kid him, you fucking finished my career, you did. You put the nail in the coffin. But I could have probably stretched it out another couple of years. Uh, but... I was always one of them. I didn't want to sort of just take the money and not enjoy playing. And I'd stopped enjoying it at the time. And I think having the operation didn't help. Did you, sorry, did you regret the MK Dons coming yeah. that three-year deal then? Yeah, look, looking back now, yeah. Um, big mistake. 
because uh, that would have took me to 36, 37, uh, which would have been, you know, a great age to play for. Obviously, financially, it would have been a lot better. Because I came back and I think because I wasn't enjoying it, that, that sort of made my mind that, right, I'm going to finish now, I'm going to jack in. Whereas if I'd have stopped down there, they were a club in the ascendancy, going places, I, 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 I might have, you know, done a, you know, gone a little bit longer. I mean, you said they played at that hockey stadium and it wasn't good. Mm. Was it the fact that not seeing the bigger picture, if you saw the stadium now and as it sits, yeah. well, that would have made it, your it mind up? He walked me around, he walked me around, they were building... None of the seats were known. He's gone, this is going to be that. But in my head, I'm thinking, yeah, but this is all going to be done in a couple of years. I'll, I'm, I ain't going to see it. It's brilliant that the club's going in that direction, but I'm not really going to see it. The big thing was that I was desperate to get back to the Midlands. That was, you know, I wanted to get back. I wanted to live in Birmingham. Walsall's only down the road. It's, it's going to suit me. And, and, and in hindsight... It, was, it, it sounds great on paper, though, going back to Walsall as well, doesn't it? Yeah, but it, it, it was the wrong move, Lou. It was, you know, it was, it was a bad move by me. I was just going to ask full circle. So that was your last contract in the UK. Do you remember what it was? Two grand a week. Two grand. Two grand a week, yeah. Because when I went back to the Blues, I signed for the same money. And this is, you know, we've been talking about agents earlier, on. I came to the end of my loan at Blues before the playoff final. Karen, Karen Brady was brilliant. She got me in the office. Right? And it was virtually a case of, well, if you don't sign, you ain't going to play in the playoff final. I was like, fucking hell, chance to get back to Blues, playing the playoff final. So, OK, what are you going to offer me? Exactly the same as what you had at Sheffield United. Exactly the same. What about if we get promoted? Exactly the same as what you had at Sheffield. Take it or leave it. So I thought, all right. And so I had, um, I think it was a 50 or 60 grand promotion bonus. So I went, yeah, but I still get the bonus. She went, no, no, your agent said that. So I ended up, so I ended up signing for Blues for no more than what I was on at Sheffield. So I went to Blue. The fucking promotion bonus went because the agent had it. And it was one of them, like, do, do I dig meals in and call a bluff and go? But I just wanted, just to, wanted to play, didn't you? Yeah, I just wanted yeah. to play and I wanted to be involved in that game. So I ended up signing for exactly the same as what I was on at Sheffield. But... You're putting the record straight and... Yeah, listen, I'd have done it. You know, I, I had to do it anyway, but I would have done it even if she said this is, this is, what, this is what's needed. You've got to try. Yeah, you've got to try. <laughs> I just, I know I want this, I want that. But I was lucky because I went back to Warsaw and they, they, they were only paying like a few hundred quid. And there was a, a businessman who sort of sponsored me to go back to Warsaw. So two grand a week for them was, that was, was good a money big, for them. big, big push. Yeah. But like I said, I mean, I'd signed... What did I sign? I think I signed a year... But after six months, I jacked in, so I, 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 wrote, I, no, I agreed to write off the other, the other six months. So, yeah, but bad, bad move for me, really. In your peak, Scotland, came yeah. calling. How was that? That was brilliant. It was, it probably came, if I'm being honest, it probably came a little bit too late in my career. Now, there'd been rumours about me getting a call up under Craig Brown before and ne never quite got over the line. But I think the big factor was getting promoted with Birmingham, playing in the Premiership, playing well in the Premiership. I think that got me over the line to get a cap. And, and how's this for a, for a bit of luck? My dad told me, he said, you're going to get a call up on Monday for the Scotland squad. Fucking hey, Jay, do you know that? He was at the game, Newcastle, on a Saturday night, really freezing cold game. He was sat behind Archie Knox. And Archie Knox was a scout for Scotland who was sent down to watch me that day. And my dad's heard him on the phone saying, yeah, yeah, he's, he's, he's worth it, give him a go. Now, in a ground that holds 28,000, for him to be in the seat behind it, so he actually knew. Then on the Monday, Bertie Vokes rang me and I, I got the call up. Yeah, it was great, it was great, you know. We was having the crack earlier on, weren't we, about me being a Scotland fan with the accents and this and that. But I was brought up staunch Scotland fan, the old, the old man and all that side of the family from a place called Coatbridge, just outside Glasgow. So it wasn't like it was, 
a distant grandparent or anything like that. So it was brilliant, but it probably came a little bit too late, if I'm being, being honest. So what are your parts at Thistle, Rangers, Celtic? Celtic, mate. Celtic, got the tattoo there. It used to be in the Celtic supporters club. So, so you're Scottish through and through, really, as well, aren't you? Oh, listen, if I say that, my mum will be moaning because my mum's as brummy as they come. So, yeah, it's, you know, it's, uh, it is something that's really close to my heart, you know. And I, I thought at 30, 31, it had, it had passed me by. So it was great to get involved and get 10 caps. And, you know, I was involved in a couple of big games. Obviously played against Germany in a, in a Euro qualifier and Holland and Portugal. And so I, I never got a goal, which was disappointing. And, but to get 10 caps at 30 was, was brilliant for me. You know, very, very, very proud of it. Bertie Volks. Obviously a top-class, world-class player. Yeah, yeah. What was it like uh, as a manager? Oh, I'm, yeah, I mean, you're on about his, his career as a player. As a manager, I, I thought he was... Uh, strange would... I don't want to say rubbish, because that's that's not fair. It, I just think Bertie but was... he was. Yeah. <laughs> no, but, Bertie was used to working with world-class players. Yeah. Right, who... No, no, no disrespect. I'm not putting myself down or the rest of the lads were in the squad. Scotland weren't fucking world-class. We never had world-class players. So he, it, it always seemed like to me, he'd have to play someone in a position that they'd never played before just to say, right, I've seen this. I've, I'm, this is my super coaching. I could do this and do that. And you'd end up saying, well, why don't you just play him in his normal position? I, I remember leading up to, um, we played Iceland in a qualifier at Hamden. And, and John will tell you this, Liam, that they normally name the team Thursday, sometimes Friday. He's named the team on the Monday. And I'm playing. I'm playing in the team. Wing-back. Fucking, I've never played wing-back in my life. I either played right midfield or down the middle. 80% of my career out wide on the right or down the middle. I haven't got a defensive thought in my head. So anyway, names the team. I, can, I think, think you can do this and do that. So and I think it was the Wednesday evening. We've gone to Hamden. The lads that are playing playing against the lads that are not playing. The lads that are not playing end up beating us about 3-0 in this game. And I think all the goals have come down my side where I should be defending. So we get back to Cameron House. Tommy Burns comes down. Gaffer wants to see you upstairs. So I go upstairs to see him. Then one who's already named the team. I don't think you're comfortable in that, that wing. I said, I fucking told you that. I've never played. And, and he dropped me. So he, he left me out the team that's, that played on the Saturday, Iceland. Ended up coming on the sub putting the crossing for the winning goal. But he, he, he'd always have to do something strange like that, Berta. So on the Monday, you've been named in the team. You're yeah. straight on the phone, yeah. all the family. Right, get yourselves yeah, get up there. I've got tickets. I'm playing. The missus, the, the old man, he told me I'm playing. Yeah. I'm, I'm definitely in Thursday. Have you ever bought that ticket, have you? <laughs> but that's how, that's how bad I was in that practice. But, but John, I'll tell you, the amount of times that the first 11 had played against the Rezies, and the resis had turned you yeah. over in a practice game. It was. You're going to want it more, aren't they? Yeah, because obviously you've you've got your arse in your hands because you've been left out of the team. The first team don't want to get injured, so you're not going to be flying into tackles. So you, they, they always try that bit more. But I just, I'd never never had it done before in my career. Never had it done after in my career that somebody actually names a team on a Monday, which was strange. And then decides to leave you out before you've even kicked, kicked a ball. Been dropped before you even get I've a start. Got, yeah, I've been started and dropped before I'd even kicked a ball. Yeah. So that, that was a, a new one on me. So what we're doing now, we need to get this golf match on, don't we? Yeah. There's little rumours you might bring Jeff Horsfield, have a little Bolton Birmingham. Yeah, yeah, we could uh, could bring the horse up. The horse is a bit of a bandit though, he's not a member anywhere. But every time he plays, he seems to, seems to be round about the top. So we're going to have to find some way to sort that, an official handicap out for him. All right. As long as he gives us a fair idea, but we're here at your place, looks phenomenal. How long have you been here? 
I've been a member at Warmly now for about seven or eight years. And we've just, obviously, as you can see, we've just had the, the, the clubhouse done. So, yeah, exciting times for the club at the moment. Drop me as a partner, John. It looks fantastic, the golf course. <laughs> it really does. And, uh, yeah, the the clubhouse is magnificent, by the way. I tell you what, he, he dodged that lot, one of them tackles. Oh, no, he did, did to get, Yeah, uh, we, we've, the clubhouse has only been open about about month, six weeks. Um, so yeah, it's great. It's a pity, obviously, with the weather that we, we couldn't get out there and have a go because the course is, the course is, you know, is fantastic, uh, and I'm sure you'd enjoy it. I'll well, just finish off a little donation to a charity of your choice. Oh God, you put me on the spot there. Um, I can't think of one. I like that one you told us what you did over week. Oh yes, sorry, yeah, Changes UK. Uh, it's a charity that I've been involved with um, for quite a while now. It's uh, an addiction charity. So it helps people recovering from addiction issues, drink, drugs. I did a charity bike ride with them in, uh, I think it was March or April, so nearly killed me. 300 miles on a bike, 100 miles a day for three days from Margate along the coast back to Birmingham. So, yeah, that, that, that'd be brilliant. Went through a few tubs of pseudo cream, didn't you? Oh, I've never been so uncomfortable in my life. Let me tell you, after that first day and you're like 9, 10, 12 hours on a bike, you literally can't keep your bum in the same position for 30 seconds. They're definitely one of the toughest things I've done. Fair play for doing it, though. Yeah, no, it was good. Great team when you, you feel great when you've done it. You just need that padded, padded seat for a couple of days after. A rubber ring. Yeah. Well, Paul, you've been uh, my favourite guest up to now, to be honest. <laughs> Thank you. Magnificent. And I look forward to the golf. Yeah, I'm going to try a bit. Who are you bringing, John? I'll bring you. <laughs> well, have you enjoyed that, Paul? Brilliant. Awesome. Yeah, Good luck to the future, mate. Cheers. Brilliant. Okay, Paul, well, I've got the, the rapid 15 this week. Rory McIlroy or Tiger Woods? Tiger Woods. US Open or the Masters? Masters. Tea or coffee? Coffee. Golf and handicap? Golf and handicap. You? Mine. Oh, mine. 14. Birmingham or Sheffield? Birmingham. Golfing holiday destination? Spain. Favourite course played? Oh, Hillside. Lowest round? 79. Best stadium played in? Oh, God. Millennium. Ronaldo or Messi? Messi. Lynx Golf or Parkland? Parkland. Hole in one? Yes. How many? One. Wow. Hamden Park or Wembley? Hamden. Ryder Cup or the British Open? Ryder Cup. Favourite manager played for? Can't split the two. Warnock and Steve Bruce. Can't split them. Brilliant. Thank yes, you. Probably I didn't think he'll sit on the fence. I can't, I can't split them, honestly. Can't split them. Had your best times under both, to yeah. be fair. Yeah. Without Warnock, I wouldn't have got a chance. And Bruce, obviously, success with Blue, so difficult one to split. Oh, can't split them. Magic. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 